Bolt your windows. Lock your doors. Check your closets. Look under your bed. And then, prepare yourself. For it's another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. Whoa! And happy camper hosting Dark Night of the Podcast this month. And even without my regular co-host, I'll podcast until I die. Listeners, this is a episode that we told you was coming. We told you was coming. Uh, Roger is off filming his next uh, film, Meet, which... I'm sure if you've been following Roger on social media, you've been seeing all of the awesome promo art, Indiegogo uh, stuff that he's been posting about that. But the time has come. So he is there filming. He he is devoted to meet for the month. So he will not be with us, but he is with us in spirit. And we all want to wish him the best because filming an indie film, um, as my co-host today knows, is quite the chore. So while I'm unhappy that I don't have Roger with me, because I've never done this without Roger, I made Roger do this without me a couple weeks ago, and I know he was a nervous wreck. I've never done this without Roger. So I'm unhappy not having my my reliable co-host with me because, you know, hey, we're, we're used to each other. I am happy, though, that I get to bring on some awesome, awesome people to take over co-hosting duties with me. And I think for this episode, guys, you're going to be pretty familiar with my my guest co-host this evening because it is the ever wonderful fellow filmmaker and fellow podcaster, Chris Moore. Chris, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on our show. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so excited to talk about this wacky little movie. It is a wacky little movie. You know, we've covered part one and part two, so I only felt like uh, it was natural that at some point I wanted to cover part three, and it seemed like you were like the perfect person to to cover this film with. So uh, I'm <laughs> I'm excited to talk about this film with you. I feel like I feel like our listeners um, are probably pretty familiar with you because I feel like a lot of our listeners for our podcast probably overlap. Um, would you not agree? Probably. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like there's like this, this little fun sort of queer horror group, you know, that's, that just sort of, we all kind of listen to the same stuff and are on the same pages and all of that good stuff. But if there is some straggler that just happens upon this this episode and has no idea who you are, no idea, no idea who I am, well, they can listen to past episodes <laughs> to find out who I am. But why don't you tell the the listeners a little bit about yourself, your your films, all, all, all that jazz, all that good stuff? Oh, okay, okay. Well, um, I make indie movies. Absolutely. Um, I just com- completed one called When the Trash Man Knocks, which will hopefully come out next year. And it's going to be super fun. And I've got movies. Uh, I've got Blessed Are the Children. I've got Triggered, A Stranger Among the Living. And my most recent one was called Children of Sin. There's, I think they're all on Tubi and Amazon and all that 
all that stuff. And I am the co-host of Homos on Haunted Hill, which is another podcast talking about all kinds of horror and gay stuff. <laughs> I guess. The best stuff to talk about, right? <laughs> Yeah, all the all the good all stuff. the good stuff. First of all, congrats on <laughs> filming your or, or rapping on your. I love the title. I love the title. Oh, thanks. I, thanks. I'm so excited to to check it out. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed all of your films. Thank you. And you know, we talk about we talk about this. Me and Roger talk about this quite a bit. But like, it, it, it's really great to see like indie filmmakers strive to improve with each film. Oh yeah strive to go a little bit deeper with with the material that they are tackling with each film and you definitely fall under that umbrella i feel like your films definitely show growth not only in like the technical aspects but also just like the the topics that you're you're tackling so uh, i'm super super excited to check out your new film i loved 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 children of sin thank you so much yeah talk about you know guys uh we talk about queer queer horror and sometimes the lack of it because Again, it's a comment I've made many times as well. Is like there seems to be tons of of queer horror fans and tons of queer horror filmmakers, but when you get right down to it, there's not a lot of queer horror out there. Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? It's like we, you, I, I, I do think it's getting a little bit better. I think that mostly because a lot of us are starting to think, okay, well, no one's going to come around and just drop us a bunch of money to go make our our movie. So we need to actually just get out there and do it. It might be a little bit rough at first, you know, but once you get the hang of it, you, you do grow and you improve. And, and, um, I like to think if you have anything to say in your work, I think you'll, you'll find some kind of a fan base, you know, so definitely, definitely. And I, I, I've taken a long break. It's been a while since I've actually made a film. Teacher shortage was the last one. And I feel like we wrapped that way back in like 2000 and Oh, like 17 or 18. So I've, I've definitely been on a sabbatical, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm itching to get back to it. I have a, I have a couple scripts, um, that I am just dying to dive into. Uh, you know, life happens, you know that I, I, oh, I get cr- that completely. I know I moved cross country twice in the same year back oh. from, from Houston to Iowa and then from Iowa to Vegas where I'm at now. So Jeez. lots of, I know lots of stuff has like prevented me from diving back into it, but I'm, I'm just getting comfortable again. I'm like I said, I'm getting inspired watching fellow filmmakers dive into to new material. So I am definitely going to move forward with uh, one of my projects and trust me, it'll be very gay because there needs to be more gay horror out there. There's so I many, think so too. there's so many gay horror fans, but with that said, check out um, children of sin because it deals with, it, it could definitely fall under the category of, of gay horror and it is quite horrific <laughs> uh, and it's timely <laughs> considering things that are happening in our country. Wouldn't you say? Oh God. Yes. Oh, every day I wake up and I'm like, what is happening? It just, it's like just people are losing their minds. They are. It's, it's scary, but you know who else, you know, who else lost her mind. <laughs> oh, who Angela Baker. Are we are we sure about that or is she on the right course? I mean, because some of these people that she takes care of, okay. I mean, they kind of had it coming. <laughs> yeah. Really. Yeah. You know, that's the thing about Angela Baker. She is a it, 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 she kind of a problematic uh, <laughs> villain to root for, because while I know, uh, particularly in part three, these fucking characters are insufferable. Every single one. God, of them. every single Truly. one. Of them. Uh, part two, I really liked some of the bitchier characters. I love Allie in part yeah. two. God, I love Allie. Uh, 
part three, you don't have any of those fucking people. And then though, even the one that you think is like, oh, she's sweet. She's a goody two. She, she ends up being a whore. So <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know what we're supposed to be gathering with these characters. But guys, if you have not guessed, we are talking about Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. Do you remember? Um, are you... Are you like a pretty big Sleepaway Camp franchise fan? Do you remember like the first times you saw these films? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first one scared the shit out of me. I just found it really disturbing. I think I saw it when I was like eight or nine. And it was just uh, from I think it was Blockbuster. And I was like, this is just like, what is who made this movie? What's going on? I was just very confused and really terrified. I didn't see any sort of campiness to the movie when, when I was a kid. I just thought it was really creepy. And uh, I remember the artwork for two and three at another video store back in the day, but I never rented them. And then what happened was, and this happened all the time was one day you would see a tape on the shelf and the next week it would just be gone and it would never come back. And it was usually like, well, someone just checked it out and never returned it or the tapes broke or something. And they just, they would never replace them. So it was like, once they were gone, that was it. So I was like, I guess I'll never see those. And then they, uh, they came up with the box set. Uh, I was, was it like early two thousands maybe, or mid two thousands. It had to be, it had to be early 2000s. Are you talking about the one with like the, the red cross on it? Yeah. Yeah. The anchor, anchor bay one. I own that. And I know that now it's really rare because red cross threw a fit. Yeah. <laughs> they, they did. They're like, we're not going to support yeah. this with our, with our logo, <laughs> this trash. <laughs> but I have it. I have it. <laughs> that, I think that was when I finally saw two and three and, uh, fell in love, fell, fell in love. I thought they were so ridiculous and campy and funny and it, it, part two especially just has a certain energy that i think just kind of defines that sort of really fun 80s horror kind of thing it just like that's one of the movies if 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 someone were to ask me like what would you recommend if i was trying to get into 80s horror i would say sleepaway camp 2 would be in the top five easily Oh, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. It's, it's so fun. Um, it, it is a, it, it kind of runs the, the hard line of horror comedy, mm-hmm. but it does it. It actually succeeds very well in my, I opinion. think so too. Um, yeah, I, I love part two. I know tonally it's completely different than the first oh, yeah. one. While I would say like the first one to, is the best film of the franchise. Definitely part two is the most entertaining of the franchise. Yeah. Three, you know, two and three apparently were filmed back to back and it kind of shows. <laughs> it definitely yeah. shows. Um, three just, it's fun, uh, but it really lacks, like you said, you use the word energy. It really lacks the energy that part two has. Yeah. Everyone seems kind of tired. They're like, oh, we have to do, we have to do this again. <laughs> like we just got finished. <laughs> even, yeah. Even Pamela Springsteen's performance in three, while it's good, it's good. Um, she is nowhere near as charismatic as she is in part two no and it's, it's also just i think the material is a little bit less than i like i, I think they e- even repeat a joke there's there's one point um in part two where i think she's in in the car with someone and she says oh what are you looking for a gun and she's like no a drill and they they do the same thing except this time it is a gun it's like <laughs> i'm like well 
just re- recycle the same joke. I don't. <laughs> but anyway, it's better than part four. Have you seen the Return to Sleepaway Camp? Oh, um, I still have PTSD. Yeah, I, I, I could not get into that. That was that was just a head scratcher of a movie. It's like you bring back. It was the original writer and director, right? And yeah, and uh, Felissa Rose was back for I think was it like fifteen seconds? I think <laughs> at the <laughs> she end she was there. back. Even even uh, Jonathan Tierston was back. He had, yeah. a, he had a small case. So the and and uh, the guy that played the the, the counselor in part one was back. oh right yeah. So and but yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. I don't know what they were thinking exactly because I just remember the main character being this really annoying, loud kid who was an asshole. Alan. I was like, this is supposed to be our lead character. Like, I like, are we supposed to want this character to be murdered or like what what's happening here? I don't understand the. I don't know what the concept was for that movie exactly. Yeah, well, Sleepaway Camp 3 does some some interesting head-scratching things, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, and we can just get right into the film if you're ready to discuss this little sure. gem. Sure, yeah. I've got all my trash bags ready <laughs> in the landfill. And... Do you have do you have milkshake <laughs> tattooed on your, your breasts? Well, I didn't want to say it, but <laughs> oh, okay. now that you brought it up, yes, I do. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sure your, be- your breasts are probably bigger than this lead girl. <laughs> These are the smallest breasts I've seen ever in my entire life on a female. It's probably why they hired her. They were like, you know what? This is unique. We're this is the best way to open our film. Okay, I have a lot of questions about this opening scene. Uh, it doesn't make a lick of sense. So maybe your knowledge can can enlighten me because there are so many. Th- oh no! <laughs> I wrote a list of like what does not make sense about this opening scene. So the opening scene is sleepaway camp. We get a girl, Maria Nicastro is her name. She she wakes up with her alarm clock, and the first thing she screams when her mom tells her to turn the music down is, "I'm going to camp." She says it three times exactly the same way. <laughs> I think that's her only lines, right? It is. <laughs> Just like a different version. <laughs> I go to that camp. <laughs> Leave me alone, mom. I'm going to camp. <laughs> so uh, she gets up and she's she's changing. And okay, bless this actress's heart. I don't know who she was. But I don't think she's ever done another thing in her life. You could tell. She just had no clue what she was doing. Like there's the moment where she like takes off her top and we see her little baby boobies. And, you know, the director obviously wanted a a, a tit shot in the opening scene. So he must right. told he must have told her, hey, you're going to you know turn to the camera and like show your tits because we want to see the word milkshake tattooed above your breasts. <laughs> but she she awkwardly just <laughs> like turned to the camera, stares right into the camera for like five seconds. <laughs> She's And then she kind of looks like, hey, did you get it? Did you get it? And like turns and walks away. It's so weird. Do you think the milkshake was written into the s- script or did she just have that? She looks like she'd be the type of gal that probably had that on her. Maybe she did. I don't know. <laughs> Good for her. I mean, really, it's it's unique. But she asks her mom if she wants to walk her to the to the bus stop, and her mom's like, "At six thirty in the fucking morning, no way." And then she she's like, "I'm going to that camp again for the fifth time." It's like we got it. Like- and she's like, "I may not come back." Good. And she's right. Okay. She doesn't. So she goes out onto the street, and she's immediately chased down by a, a large garbage truck. Running down the streets of New York City, there are crowds of people like watching this transpire. <laughs> this is downtown New York. She could have ran into any building, any anywhere, but she chooses to run down a yeah. an alley where she's immediately smashed by the <laughs> 
by the, the garbage truck and it ends up being Angela who gets out and throws her in the back of the, the garbage truck. Okay. So questions. First question. How did Angela get a garbage truck? That is a wonderful question. Um, uh, well, you see, she befriended a garbage truck driver and and they became v- very close, but the garbage driver did not like her song, and so she killed him. And he's probably in the back there, too. Oh, I think, yeah, there's probably a lot of bodies back there. Second question, how did she know about this girl going to camp at this exact yeah. moment of the day to chase her down? Yeah, does she have, like, an inn at the camp that, like, gives her, like, a whole, like, roster of everybody that's going to be there? I don't understand that. Yeah, it's weird. And then third, how did she know she was going to be wearing an I Love New York shirt with a denim jacket and jeans to have the exact same outfit on? Well, now, this might sound a little woo-woo, but I think Angela's a little bit psychic is what it is. Um, she's She's got the gift. And she, she, she just knew she saw it in her, in her, in her mind's eye. You know what? That's a, that's a good of an explanation as any. So I'll go. It with is it. now canon. It is sleepaway camp canon that Angela is psychic. She could very well be, uh, you know, and then, so she kills this poor Maria and is going to take her place at this camp, which just happens to be the same exact camp that she murdered all those people in part two camp rolling hills was it yeah it was camp rolling hills that's right so she gets on the bus we get a scene of the wall spray painted behind her that says angela is back now i think that would be kind of a a not a smart thing to spray paint on the wall after you just murdered somebody not usually kind of giving your identity away I was never sure if she did it or if someone else did, because it seems so fast. I was like, did someone just leave that there? And how did they know that was where sh- she was going to kill? The, the 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 questions are starting to pile up here, and it's not even like four minutes in into the movie. Yeah, no, I think you can definitely tell watching part three that you're in for a really different treat, if that's the word you want to use, than part two. Part two, you know, I think it's a little bit more careful in its craftsmanship. This one seems rushed. And it was rushed. I, apparently, they they mm-hmm. they rushed it. Like I said, they filmed it right after part yeah. two. Everything was rushed, and it kind of feels that way. Uh, right down to like some of the characters in this film seem very, very, very like underutilized. You know, it's it's often hard in this film to even figure out like which character you're supposed to be following besides Angela as like the main character. At least in part two, we had Molly early on is the main we know okay she's the she's the sweet cherubic final girl and even um sean Mm -hmm. sean whitmore was a prominent character so you had these characters that you followed through part two this one it just kind of randomly bombards you with different characters and you're never even sure which one is supposed to be the one that's going to survive until the end yeah it's it's basically a cast of about 105 and uh, and you don't really know much about in any of these people, and they're just basically set up to be killed, just one by one. And because of the way it's cut, because for 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 some reason, I'll never understand this. Since these all went straight to video, at least part two and three, mm-hmm. why did they need to get the R rating exactly couldn't they just release it uncut you know like why do they need to cut this down to get the r i've never understood that so all the death scenes are like basically rated pg-13 yeah i I don't know and i actually that's funny that you mentioned that because i remember i thought i remembered that there were like 
there's like uncut versions of the death scenes in this film uh, because the version I watched, yeah, it's very, the death scenes are very like, eh, you don't see a lot. And I, I remember, I thought I saw a version where the death scenes were more graphic, but I could not find anything that said that's the case. So maybe in my mind as a kid. Yeah, I know they, they exist. I think they were on, it was either the DVD or the, the Blu-ray that was out from Scream Factory. And that might be where I saw them, but I, yeah, you're right. Because I was like, okay, these death scenes are pretty tame. Yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense why they are why they are so tame when, like you said, it went they went direct to video. They didn't need to to really cut down anything because they weren't trying to get a, a rating to get into theaters. Yeah, so Angela gets to this camp, and you know, I, I kind of respect the way that they do try to introduce all of these characters because, like you said, there are a lot of them, uh, and I feel like they at least came up with a <laughs> yeah. reasonable way to introduce us to all of them. With with this news reporter, Tawny Roberts, who's clearly from the South, <laughs> she's yeah. not a New Yorker. <laughs> well, no, and she's uh, she's interviewing the kids at this new camp because apparently it is a experiment in sharing. So she interviews the owners first, Herman and Lily Herman played by <laughs> Michael J. Pollard, who I'm assuming this is like a Betsy Palmer situation Probably. where he's like, Hey, I, I need to buy something. So I will take this role. <laughs> uh, he's not good in this film. Well, it's just, there, there's a scene later on where he's with one of the camp campers in, in a tent having sex. And it's one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's head scratching. Like, why would this young teenage girl go after Michael J. Pollard? What is yeah. she trying to get out of What's it? What's she going like, to get? There's nothing like he's not like there's nothing she's going to gain from it. It's just weird. Yeah. And, you know, you I've never thought of Michael J. Pollard as being a sex symbol in any stretch of the imagination. I. It's definitely a very like phoned in performance. He's doing like the bare minimum that he has to, I think. Absolutely. Because yeah. he's, there's moments where it's like, oh, you're cringy in this. How how are you an Oscar-nominated actor, and why are you in this film is what I want to know. <laughs> I do love his death scene where he's, where he's just like, ah, ah. <laughs> like, it's not even. <laughs> it's terribly edited. That's the worst edited death scene in the film. Yeah. I'm still not sure what happened. Like, did she stick the stick in his mouth? I, I don't know what. I think so. I think that's what we're supposed to assume. Who can tell? But we get introduced to all of these characters. And, and basically what it is, is it's a camp that Herman and Lily opened to promote like sharing and, and community because half the campers are from upper class families and half the campers are from lower class homes, as Herman says. Whew. Okay. This film, I don't know, could this be made today, do you think? Because the stereotypes oh God, yeah. are rife in this. It's pretty bad. I mean, but like, <laughs> I, it's like the tone is so goofy that maybe it could, but I, I don't, because it's, it's, it's clearly poking fun at just this, I don't know, it's like, you're never really sure what the motivations are of Herman and Lily exactly. Like, I feel like Lily might want some sort of notoriety or fame or something. I don't know. She's because she seems more on board with this whole thing than he does. He just seems kind of bored and like he doesn't really want to be there. But she's very enthusiastic about it. 
Yeah, I think it's kind of insinuated that they're doing it for the for like the money because later on there's that conversation that the girls have where um, Arab asks uh, Cindy how much she paid and she's like, oh, three thousand dollars. And Arab's like, oh, I bet you the government paid them three thousand dollars for us, too. And then there's the whole thing about um, Lily being cheap. Oh, yeah. Burying the gar- uh, burying the, the garbage out back <laughs> instead of having a, a garbage service come and pick it up, and <laughs> so I think it's like they're trying to make money from it, but like I don't know. Yeah, I just can't figure out the motivations completely here. <laughs> like I don't know, but these these stereotypes guys are are it's oof. pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. I mean, you got even down, and it's it's everybody. Yeah. It's not just like it's everybody across the board <laughs> is like the extreme stereotype of what they're what they're supposed to be right down to like this, the scene where, uh, you know, after the rough kids introduce himself, there's, there's Tony from LA who's supposed to be like the heartthrob of the bunch. Marsha, can we just acknowledge the names? I, I know in part two, they named most of the characters after like the brat pack of the eighties. Yeah. In this one, we get a mixture of West side story and the Brady bunch. <laughs> And a little bit of the mon- monsters too, because you've got Herman and, and Lily. Lily, oh my god! So it's like this weird—I didn't even think of that—mix and match of all these random things. Oh, you know, bless their hearts for going there, I guess. But Marsha makes the comment to Cindy that Tony is so cute. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh Jesus! Cindy's response is, "Oh, <laughs> he's Mexican." It's like really? Come on. And immediately, Cindy is built up as probably the most hateable char- character in the movie. She is horrific, like just the worst. R- yeah, racist, spoiled, awful, awful. Like you know, I, I I appreciate though they don't go like the bitchy, sexy route with her like they did with Allie. Yeah. You know, Allie in part two was such a great character, and she 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 really nailed the sexy, bitchy girl quite a bit cindy is not necessarily sexy but she 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 definitely has the the bitchiness down yeah she's like a marjorie taylor green in training (laughs) you know she's like i i'm i'm glad angela took her out because she wasn't gonna amount to anything (laughs) truly and her death scene is pretty cool it is neat Um, yeah (laughs) yeah um, so the reporter mentions uh, on air about the well, she, when she's recording a broadcast about the murders that took place there last year and it upsets poor Lily, <laughs> who, you know, it's like, you promised me you were going to talk about the murders. <laughs> I will say, you know, I like I like Lily. I, I Lily's like my a- favorite. <laughs> yes. I feel like the actress is pretty strong. She's probably she's the strongest. Great. Of the of the bunch, and I have a qualm with her death scene that I'm going to bring up when we get there. She gathers all of the kids into the uh, into the lunch hall, and Maria, aka or Angela, she took over the uh, the Maria character who's supposed to be at this camp, but it is Angela, so we'll just call her Angela. But in the film, all the other campers know her as Maria. Uh, the reporter confronts Angela about like, "Oh, you look rough for your age." Angela, says, yeah, it's a lot of bad drugs. The reporter immediately, what what the fuck is up with this lady just asking a random like, kid for Coke? <laughs> She's like, I need some Coke. Can you get it for me? And just yeah. like, yeah, there's a there's a vending machine. Uh, in there. <laughs> well, and then Angela realizes what she means. So she's like, hey, wait a minute, I'll be right back. So she goes into the the cabin and like puts like, was it Comet 
I think it's Comet. Yeah. Drain cleaner in a little bag. She's like, that's the problem about doing drugs is you never know if it's pure or not. <laughs> she goes out. She gives the reporter <laughs> the, the little baggie and says, here you go. You're my favorite newscaster. Enjoy enjoy your life. What's left of it. <laughs> the reporter like literally drives down the road and I don't. Okay. Chris, Comet has a very distinct smell. Have you ever yeah. used it? Yeah, I don't know. She must be very dense. Yeah. I mean, you open that baggie, it's going to smell like bleach because Comet has a very bleachy yeah. smell. But she just sniffs away. And it reminded me, you know, last week we covered um, um, Death Drop Gorgeous. And their opening scene, I definitely compared to this because there is a, uh, a character that just randomly sniffs something that's given to him. And he has the exact same sort of death scene, which I thought. Oh, was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. But like, yeah, she immediately like starts coughing up blood and is dead in the middle of the road. But I want to know, nobody found her car. Nobody found her dead body laying in the middle. I mean, she's literally parked in the middle of the street and you don't hear about her. I can't imagine there's not other people driving by. You never hear any anything again. And this takes place over what, like three days, I think. Yeah, because they're walking through that. They're doing they're together for three days. And by the third day, Angela's killed everybody. Yeah. So back at the the um, the lunch hall or whatever you want to call it, we get more like insight into like these these characters and like what their little quirks are. You got Peter who likes to light firecrackers and throw them around the place. You got this awkward Bobby character who his whole thing is like he wants to be a politician so he's very serious he asks to sit with Arab and she calls him a faggot some nice <laughs> 80s you know these people are lovely I mean yeah. really <laughs> although you know she was in um I recognized her meal she was in night of the demons that's that's where she's from I knew she looked familiar yeah 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 she was the one in the casket right there yes, was like, yes yeah yeah yes, that, uh, so she has a little horror pedigree behind her. And then he tries to sit with, with Riff and Snowboy. Snowboy. Ugh. God, what is up with this character? <laughs> very shrill. Very shrill character. Who just, his whole shtick is to spray paint things, apparently. Yeah, and just shriek. It's Teenage Wasteland. Oh! Yeah. Like, okay, sir, calm down. <laughs> like. <laughs> Riff pulls a knife on him and you would think that would be immediately like grounds for <laughs> pulling this kid out and sending him back to where he came from. But it, <laughs> apparently it's perfectly fine. So, but he ends up sitting with Angela at her table. Um, and at first you kind of think that he is like the nice guy and like they're going to bond and stuff like that, the way they're talking. And then you get like this whole thing with Lily coming up to the, to the front of the room, telling the group that they are going to, break into three groups for the weekend. She has to tell Riff to turn down his radio because Riff is just a useless asshole in this movie. He does everything he does is just to annoy everybody else. She also mentions that there's going to be a third counselor as like Cindy is asking what they're going to, how they're going to go to the bathroom. And Riff wants to know what they're going to eat all weekend, which is going to be fish. I don't know if I could eat fish all for three days, but, but during this time, how does nobody see this? Because Herman is like standing next to Jan with his crotch right in her face, like literally inches. And he's like yeah. thrusting it forward. And then he like lifts up his shirt and he has a Playboy belt buckle on. Is this supposed to turn her on? Well, apparently I mean, I it, does. it does. But I, I mean, <laughs> it just, I don't think it would provoke a strong urging in, in me, but I mean, good for you. I don't, yeah. I, I th that's the most puzzling part of this movie is him and this Jan girl who literally has like 
two lines in the entire film before she's gone. Did they know each other before coming to the camp? I don't understand this. Like <sighs> it's you know that's a good it's 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 a good question. It's so weird. Yeah, how did they pick these people? Maybe maybe they have a relationship before they got to this camp and that's why she was picked. Yeah. It was rigged. <laughs> Snowboy asks if the guys get to sleep with the girls, and Arab says no, because they're afraid we'll fuck. <laughs> uh, but just then, the third counselor shows up, and wouldn't you know it, who is it? Oh, no. Oh, it is the father of Sean from the last movie. It is the father of Sean Whitmore. It's Barney mm. Whitmore. Yeah. And he's a cop. That's not good. That's not going to be good for Angela. No, she tries to like put on her glasses. And stuff. I, I will say I like the fact that they make that connection because there is a, a moment in part two where Sean's talking to Molly and he tells her like his dad's a cop and like, you know, he has to live under these strict rules and blah, blah, blah. So I do like that they pulled that element from part two to bring it into part three, but it seems a little contrived. I'm also not a fan of like how he's utilized in the film. I expected like a bigger a bigger confrontation. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel too. Like I feel like it, it's a really cool idea to sort of bring back, you know, the surviving parent of a, a murdered kid from one of these movies. But it's like they don't give him anything to do. He just kind of talks about like, yeah, if I ever saw her, I'd kill her. Uh, and then he finally does. And and she kills him. <laughs> it's like, there's no confrontation without even a, like a struggle. Like, no, I mean, I, I'm like, Oh, really? Really? Barney? Just, Come on. They kind of throw that away. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. So when uh, Barney introduces himself as a cop riff immediately starts to be like, just annoying and like burping real loud. And Tony asks, do you have a problem? And Riff's response is suck my dick. And then he calls him a slur. Oh Yeah. Another lovely character. It's just <laughs> God. And they they brawl. They brawl until Barney breaks him up. Of course, because uh, it's a sleepaway camp movie, and we need more boobs. That we we do get this little moment in the girls' cabin where all of the girls are undressing. We see Jan's boobs. We see Arab's boobs. We see Angela in this like corset type bra. That Arab's like, how do you get that off with a can opener? <laughs> <laughs> And then Marsha calls them over to see on the wall that it is spray painted in the cabin. Fuck Angela Baker. Mm. How dare they? Yeah. I mean, this is the moment that you get a conversation about like how much the, the rich people paid or the rich kids paid to get to the, to come to this camp, which was like I said, $3,000 to attend. Again, I think it's like meant to insinuate that like Barney and Lily are just like pocketing that money because at the end of the movie, they're planning on taking a, a trip to Europe. Oh, of course they are. Ugh, can't trust them. No, no, especially Barney. No, with his stupid playboy belt buckle <laughs> or Herman. I'm sorry. It's Herman. Herman and <laughs> yes, Barney right. are such like weird names <laughs> that like they're interchangeable. I think I said, Her I meant Herman. I guess. Barney, it, do you think they got that name from the Andy Griffith show? Maybe like Barney Fife, maybe. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's just going to because he's not really from the other ones that they were pulling the ins inspiration from. So, or like Tony says, Barney Rubble. It could be Barney Rubble. Oh, it could be. <laughs> yeah, it could be. 
Um, they venture <laughs> off into groups and Barney, the real Barney, stops Maria and asks to see some ID. Like, why does he need to see ID? Don't you think this would have been like taken care of before the kids got to camp? Like that their identities was, were verified. They literally have ta- a table set up to check IDs. I'm like, it's a little late for that. They're already there. Yeah. Like this is a little like, do we need this a little bit? But he does tell her that she looks pretty rough. <laughs> I love these people are just so like Everyone's comfortable telling her she looks like shit. <laughs> you look like shit. That's so rude. It's like it's mentioned like fifty times. Though. You look terrible <laughs> for being seventeen. Well, I mean, her town didn't have any fluoride in their water. Okay, <laughs> like that's what happens. <laughs> oh, so they uh, they get broken into pairs and are broken into groups while Snowboy is spray painting trees and he spray paints Bobby's map. Uh, you know, you get you get these little moments that try to, like I said, characterize um, Barney as being like a good guy that's just dared like doing this because he wants to make amends for his son being murdered there last year because he is he takes his group into the woods and he right away is he's going to break the rules and give them hot dogs for dinner. Oh, Barney. <laughs> and, and Tony's like, well, yeah, you of course you can break the rules. You're a cop. <laughs> And then Barney launches into the fact that his son, Sean, was murdered at the same camp last year. And everyone becomes immediately sympathetic to him. And even Tony apologizes. I don't know. There's And now you switch from Barney's camp to Herman's camp where Angela's chopping wood. And I do like this little moment where Herman's like, where did you learn to chop wood like that? And she's like, actually, I've never chopped wood before, but I've chopped other things. (laughs) If only they knew. And Barney calls them over to go fishing. And immediately Jan like throws a fit and goes into her, her tent and Barney stays behind to console Jan. And he keeps saying like, that's no way to talk. Sweet pea. Oh, sweet pea. <laughs> that's actually a really good impression of what he does. In this oh, movie. it's terrible. Sweet pea. Come on, sweet pea. You don't have to eat fish if you don't want sweet pea. <laughs> I got my penis right here. It's like, <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I, well, apparently that woozer because they're screwing in the tent here in, in about three seconds. I don't know. It's so uncomfortable. Uh, watching this old man fumble around. And it's, it's fucking Michael J. Pollard. Come on. I know. It's just so ridiculous. I mean, if it was like, I don't know, Sam Elliott or some shit, I'd be like, sure. But... Come on. Oh, it's terrible. So Maria, Snowboy, and Peter are down fishing. I do like, again, they, they do they do do a good job of like trying to connect part two because there's this fun little moment where Angela catches the hockey mask that she wore in part two. <laughs> I think it's a fun little like, throwback to part <laughs> yeah. two. And then at some point they're like, what day is it again? And they're like, Saturday, the 14th. And I'm like, I gotta see what y'all did there. Yeah. And you know, uh, these guys can't just help but be annoying because Peter immediately takes a firecracker and puts it in a fish's mouth and like throws it at Angela. And so Maria like takes off screaming because the fireworks scares her. And she finds Jan and Barney making out in the tent. Ugh. Yes. If that's what you can call it. I don't know. It was just frightening (laughs) i mean he's licking her bare boobs i guess maybe that's why he took the part he's like oh i can lick the tits of a 25 year old i I mean i don't know (laughs) i would imagine like she pulls down his pants and he's wearing long johns (laughs) 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 which i i mean god 
you want, if you want to, you know, get me hard right away, show me an old man in long johns. <laughs> Some long johns. Good grief. I am moist. <laughs> <laughs> but Ange, uh, Angela shows up and, and finds them in the tent. And yeah, this death scene for being like the first of the, <laughs> the major like characters. And I know they're not even major characters, but like it's pretty lame because he comes out of the tent and she like is beating him repeatedly with this branch and his, his pants are down to his ankles and he finally falls to the ground and is really terribly edited. Like you mentioned, like it's really hard to know what happened. Like you see him fall, but then the camera, then there's an edit cut to his, he's now laying fa- uh, face up, which he wasn't when he fell. And then he like lets out that weird. Ah! <laughs> and he's apparently stabbed in the mouth with, with the, the branch I guess, but then it cuts away to his face again and he's still like breathing like you can see like he's just like still twitching but i don't even know if he's dead i don't think he actually died i think he's still out out there somewhere in his long johns just becoming one with the woods i don't know <laughs> looking for a fresh 25 year old nipples to lick <laughs> yeah. i don't sweet pea because yeah <laughs> sweet pea are you there sweet pea <laughs> Oh, so, and then of course, Jan gets out of the tent with her big boot. I mean, she has some big jugs on her. They're bouncing around and Angela like beats her in the head once with, I don't think this would kill you. I mean, it's a branch about the size of, I mean, it's not like it's a two by four. (laughs) And then she's got that crack, like some, something about like, it's good that you're dead now because in a few a few years, your breasts would be sagging so bad or something it's like, yeah. In a few years, your breasts would be sagging something terrible. <laughs> they try to give Angela the one liners that I found worked in part two pretty well. I feel like a lot of them fall flat. They're here. not as good. No, there's something a little bit off. It's, it's like a little bit more forced. I don't know. It just sort of, and it, and it also kind of feels like it's just sort of repeat everything from part part two and it just doesn't it just feels a little bit stale yeah i feel like this film is trying to take its comedy element cues from part two uh, Mm -hmm. and embed them in here but it doesn't it's there's something like you said there's something off about this film i I don't understand because it's the same director it's the same Mm -hmm. lead actress but it just does not have the the sizzle that part two has and i i guess maybe it's the cast I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. and the fact that they were probably they were probably rushed. Yeah, I mean, they. I think they probably had like a few days break in between two and three, which is you know, which as you would know, is not much time to <laughs> take between two movies. <laughs> like that's got to be exhausting. No, uh, especially for Pamela Springsteen staying in this character for so long. Yeah, it's probably grueling for her Absolutely. by this time. She's like, what the fuck am I doing? Why did I do agree to this? You know, and it, it's a shame because, you know, we talked about this in our part two episode. It's a shame that she doesn't embrace these films. Yeah. You know, because you know, she could be doing, I mean, she could be doing conventions. She could be really oh God, be yeah. making, making a decent, I don't want to say decent living because I'm sure she's fine. She's like, I think she's like a painter or something now, but it's just sad that she doesn't embrace these films because they're so fun and they do have a fan base behind them. She's definitely not on the yeah. same level as like Felissa Rose, who has and totally made the sleepaway camp films and her, her role. And that's her, that's her life now. And she, she, she loves her fans. She travels to all these conventions. It's a shame that Pamela Springsteen sort of seems embarrassed by these films. Yeah. I don't know what it is because she's very 
good, especially in part two. She's wonderful. She's very, very funny and, and charming. But yet she just never I, I think she did this movie and then she kind of just retired from acting completely. And I, I don't know because no one's ever really gotten to interview her about it. So no one really knows how she feels about it. You know, it's sort of. Yeah, no, I think she's I think they reached out. I think people have reached out to her. I think like they reached out to her to do like commentaries on the the DVDs and Blu-rays and she's refused. Um, I, I know I, I, I've heard that she's. People have reached out to her to do conventions and she's refused. She just doesn't want to be associated with these films, which is interesting, which is interesting. Later at that, later that night at camp, Snowboy and Peter are up to their regular shenanigans, annoying Maria. Peter's throwing fireworks at her. Snow, Snowboy is spraying her tent and she makes the comment, why did I think this year would be any different? <laughs> I don't know, Angela. And you see the like the the contrast because at Barney's campsite they're they're just having a fun time they're sitting around the campfire just chatting and Maria has or sorry and and Marsha has to go to the bathroom and can we stop and and acknowledge that Marsha is played by Melanie Griffith's sister yes Tracy who was also in uh, what was that movie the first power with Lou Diamond yes. Another horror film. She is, you know what? She's good in this. She's charming. Yeah. Um, she's not given a lot to do because the cast is so large. Yeah. Uh, and that is another thing that's kind of interesting because Sleepaway Camp 2 also had a very large ensemble cast, but I don't feel like like the character of Molly ever felt like underutilized. Ultimately, Marsha ends up being the quote unquote final girl. But it doesn't feel like that for the majority of the film. Yeah, I mean, not really. I mean, really, she and Angela don't even really communicate until like the last five minutes of the movie. I mean, it's, you know, they don't really do a lot. I feel like they try to make Marsha like a knockoff Molly. Yeah. And yeah. I liked Molly's character a lot better because she you knew her intentions and she was she came across as being extremely innocent. They do this thing at the end of this movie that we'll talk about that I think was a sort of a mistake um, with her character. And you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. It's, it's just not, it just doesn't completely work. It totally contradicts her, her character quite a bit, but so Marsha has to go to the bathroom and, and Barney makes Tony escort her there. And, you know, this is like the first moment that you see that there is like a thing developing between Marsha and Tony um, there's this raccoon scare that we get that happens so many times in these types of films. Wasn't there a raccoon scare <laughs> in part two, too, I think? I don't, you, there's not enough raccoon scares. We have a lot of cat scares, not enough raccoon scares. And it's a cute little raccoon. And of course, you know, of course, Tony is like freaked out about it. So she has to make fun of him. The the rest of the, the <laughs> like movie. the rest of the movie. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then that evening we cut back to, uh, Angela's camp where she is, (laughs) I mean, we just cut right to it. She's putting firecrackers in Peter's nose. Yeah. And and she lights it. And right as Snowboy kind of wakes up to, to, because he hears the noise, he turns and sees that it explodes and blows poor Peter's face to, to to smithereens. (laughs) I mean, it's a cool death scene. It looks pretty cool. Um, you do get a shot of like the aftermath. Yeah, you know, the whole thing is after Snowboy sees the that Peter has been dead, Angela comes up beside him and hits him in the head with 
another branch and then drags him into the tent with Jan and lights it on fire. And I always found this moment disturbing because when she lights a tent on fire, she douses it with gasoline. You hear him like screaming. He's still alive. Yeah. It's like, ooh. Nasty. And then she she proceeds to roast the marshmallows. As one does. I mean, I've done it so many times after I've killed campers, you know? It's just fun. I'm sure it adds a, a distinct flavor to the marshmallow. <laughs> it does. A little snowboy seasoning. You know, I'm not. Snowboy was kind of annoying, so I'm glad. Super annoying. Just like he was a gremlin, just like causing mayhem. So the next morning at camp, we are we are now at Lily's campsite, and Riff has his music going. And of course, Cindy does not like his rap music because she tells him to turn it down multiple times. Lily is just a lounging around doing nothing, which becomes a... Basically, her whole character, she lounges around, reads, <laughs> demands people to go do her her errands for her, and she cooks steak while the she other- She cooks steak because <laughs> she's allergic to fish. She's allergic to fish. So she's always cooking these, this delicious looking steak on the grill next to her. <laughs> Angela shows up, and she starts to do this thing that she did in part two, where she you know, has a excuse for- for everything. And part two was, oh, I had to send him home. And this one, she, oh, well, Barney told me to come to this camp. And mm-hmm. uh, so she tells Lily that Herman says she's yep. supposed to switch with somebody. And Arab's uh, comment is, well, which shithead are you supposed to switch with? And Angela <laughs> says, oh, you. <laughs> uh, and I do like this moment, you know, because uh, Arab was getting lily her coffee and the minute she finds out she's not staying she like dumps it out right in front of her <laughs> i do like that bit but they're walking through the woods and again this this arab's like how old are you supposed to be again 17 <laughs> you look terrible <laughs> <laughs> this poor angela i think the moral of this film is don't tell women that they look old and ugly because they will kill you <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, they get to the the campsite and, you know, Arab's like, where's where's the third tent? And Angela's like, oh, yeah, it kind of got destroyed last night. It was pretty wild here last night. That's your tent. I think uh, Snowboy and, and um, Riff or whatever may be in there. So she goes and she looks in the tent and Angela kicks her inside the tent. And she's like, you bitch. <laughs> Angela immediately grabs an axe. And as, as poor Arab kind of crawls out of the, the tent, she whacks her in the neck with this axe. And it is a. I mean, I guess it looks okay. I've seen worse. It's it, it's a decent effect. I think maybe this was one of the one of the death scenes that maybe was positively impacted by a quicker edit. Maybe I don't know. It could be because yeah, the the fake the the head looks extremely fake, but we only get we only yeah. get a glimpse of it, so it's not as noticeable. So Angela goes back to to Lily's camp and they are just discussing random things like what's your favorite movie? What's your astrological sign? Riff says that his favorite movies are ones with tits and blood and it offends everybody, including Cindy. She's like, why do you have to, why do we always have to listen to that rap music? And he says, it's better than country. Uh, Okay. So we, we, Delve into some extremely racist yes. terms here that we won't be repeating. No, she goes full on bigot, says horrible things. She full on calls him the N word multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, he responds by throwing oatmeal in her face. 
It's funny that like Lily is so dismissive of it. She seems she does like she doesn't like make Cindy apologize for using that word. She's like, oh, Cindy, just just go lay down or be you're fine. Yeah. She doesn't really like she she doesn't she never really takes up for anybody. She's always just just like standing standing there like y'all sharing, caring like she doesn't really ever say like uh you're being a terrible person can you like shut the fuck up no no and she like totally dismisses it because she she after that whole incident happens which to me would be a big deal i mean you you have a racial slur used you have oatmeal thrown in somebody's face it's pretty pretty big she just like dismisses it and then asks angela what her favorite color is and angela's angela's response is (laughs) blood red i would have never guessed and bobby has to chime in and said oh my god me too me too fucking bobby bobby i don't know what to think i don't know what to think about bobby honestly (laughs) it's such a dumbo (laughs) yeah he's awkward he's goofy um you know like i said when you're first introduced to him you think he's gonna be like the goofy nice guy that might actually be a a a, a true like friend for for angela's character but it ends up totally not being that way like i said like we said at the beginning of this episode every fucking character in this film is despicable yeah absolutely (laughs) they're all terrible although okay i just say that but we go back to barney's camp and they're sitting around the campfire and we get okay we have to mention these two characters um that i feel bad for these actors because they got really shafted with with screen time and just like we have anita who actually seems pleasant like there's nothing really yeah ever hinted at Anita's character that she's like this horrible person. So we can't say all of them are horrible. I just wish we knew more about her and she had a little bit more to do in the film. Yeah. You don't really get a good idea of who she is or, I mean, I I do think she has maybe four lines if that, and she's extremely likable in all of, in her lines. Um, I mean, it's just, she's just used to up the body count the same with the character of Greg as well, who he has even less lines um it's just yeah it's so funny that they gave us this like you could have cut these two from the film and it would not have affected anything at all it probably yeah because they just they just pop in occasionally show up for the finale but like they haven't really earned their place in the finale because i feel like you know that should be a place for like the main characters but there's not really a main character in this movie so what are the rules? Like, I don't know. <laughs> they don't have any interaction with Angela throughout the entire film. And, you know, so it gets difficult to, you know, follow Angela's motive motive. You know, in part two, it was established that she's killing people that she feels deserves it. And that carries over into part three to a certain extent, because like I forgot to mention, like she kills Maria at the beginning of the film. How does she know, like, if, if her whole motive is, oh, I'm killing people that deserve it. Like, you don't even know this girl. Yeah, I feel like her motives are a little bit murkier here. It's like she's just kind of gone off the deep end completely and is just killing everybody. It feels, yeah, it feels that way because, like, Anita doesn't do anything to her. Greg doesn't do anything to her. And they're they're no. they're murdered at the end of the film. Yeah, it's not fair. No, Anita asks Barney, like, about Angela. And Angela's like, oh, we don't, nobody knows what happened to her. There's no pictures of her because nobody wanted to take pictures of her at Camp Rolling Hills. Oh, poor Angela. I know. I'm like, really? She won Counselor of the Week that one week. Nobody took a photo to commemorate that occasion. <laughs> Come on. You got to have something. And Tony asks, what would you do if you ever 
saw Angela Baker. And his response is, I'd kill her. And again, you think that is setting up like a big battle between these two. And absolutely it goes fucking nowhere. And n- literally nowhere. They finally have their confrontation later on. And it's like, eh. It's a it's a lame confrontation. Mm-hmm. Now Lily is having the her group do a trust game where they blindfold each other. And of course, Angela is paired with Cindy, who is immediately like, like you just want to punch this bitch because she's doing all this obnoxious shit. She's tying the, the handcuff or she's tying Angela's hands too tight. Um, she's leading around the woods talking about she's using the N word again, saying, oh, he would have loved to kill mm-hmm. me because he could go brag to all his homies that he killed a white girl. I'm like, oh, oh. God. She is awful. Like she is truly the most despicable character of all time. God. And then like she leaves Angela like standing in the middle of the woods. She's like, oh, I got to have a Siggy. And you know, she's doing it just to be a fucking bitch because she literally takes one puff from the cigarette and throws it on the ground. And then she finds this turtle or turtles generally in the middle of the woods. I mean, it's, I guess it's within the realm of possibility, but I, I don't know. But she finds this turtle and puts it on Angela's neck. And Angela's like, oh my God, something's touching me. And Angela demands that she takes the blindfold off of her because it's, it's going to be Cindy's turn. And Angela ties Cindy up, puts the <laughs> blindfold on her, leads her to a flagpole and asks Cindy three questions. Are you a cheerleader? Yes, I am. Figures. Are you a virgin? No, of course not. Do you do drugs? Who doesn't? <laughs> Strike three. So she hooks her, uh, hooks the flagpole hook to Cindy and starts hoisting her up. Angela's pretty tough for being a little skinny girl. I mean, she's lifting this, this yeah. girl that's pretty big up to the flagpole. She's got some strength. But I like it. I like this death a lot. Yeah, this might be my favorite. Yeah, I, I, I cringe when I hear the noise of like the head hitting the cement. Oh, yeah, it's good sound effects. Yeah, because she, yeah, she raises her up to the very top of the flagpole. And he's like, why are you doing this to me? And Angela says, because you're a fornicator, cheerleader, drug taken, nice girl. And she drops her on her head. And yeah, you hear just like. (laughs) It's I I wish, you know, I wish they would have went hard with this death because this really would have been cool to see like, come on, use a fake watermelon like like the Toxic Avenger did. Come on. I think they did. I think cause I, I do remember this one being cut a lot. There was there was de- definitely at least a shot of the brains and stuff at the end. But I th- I think you're right I re- because I remember it being. I remember this one being gorier and I remember Lily's death being. Gorier. Yeah, there, there, there was more s- blood sprain, I think. So now we're done with Cindy, which is fine with me. Okay, perfect. Thank God. Go away, Cindy. Yeah. So Angela goes back to camp and Lily is just being the ultimate lazy bitch telling Maria to go or (laughs) telling, telling Angela to go back to camp, bury her garbage bag, bring her more bug spray to take the old trail. And Angela's like, isn't that where the cabin is where they found all those dead bodies last year? And of course, Lily is taken. How do you know about that? Oh, I think I read about it. Sure you did, but don't tell. And she and Lily's adamant. Don't tell the others; you'll spook them. Wouldn't this have made the news, though? I mean, wouldn't they have known? You would think. I mean, this would be national news. Like, I I can't imagine nobody knows that this isn't the camp where like twenty people were brutally murdered last year. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't buy it. 
Angela goes back to the main cabin and then we get this flashback of her singing the happy camper song. I I don't know, Chris, I did not have the the motivation to go back and watch part two, but in my, in my mind, like, I don't know, is this, is this actually taken from part two or do you think they refilmed this? Because it seems a little bit different and there's like weird people in the audience that aren't in part two. It might be like an alternate take. You know, like they the, they might have done it a few a few times. It it looks like there's a moment where she she sings a bum note, and on her face you can see her kind of like roll her eyes, like oh I just screwed screwed that up. And I don't remember that in part two, I, and I don't remember some of the stuff she says during this this speech. I don't either. So and then you cut to the audience, and it's like there's people there that were not in part two. So you you could be right. They either they they used a. a they used a take that they didn't put in the actual final film of part two, or for some reason, maybe part two wasn't done yet because if these were filmed back to back, maybe part two wasn't finished. You know, maybe it wasn't, it hadn't completed post-production. So they just, yeah. So they just refilmed it because it does not seem like the same scene to me. And I could not, yeah, this, this whole, it's just a little, uh, it feels like about five minutes worth of padding it is. to make it feel, feature length basically because this movie is super short it is super short it's it's literally 80 minutes long and five five minutes of that is this particular scene of her having these flashbacks of when she won counselor of the the week or whatever it was but yeah i was really i'm gonna have to go back i was like should i go back and watch part two to see if that but i don't think it is i don't think i think it's a different take it's gotta be it has to be gotta be so she goes back to camp apparently because now we are at a a moment where Lily makes uh, Angela and Bobby do the trust game where they t- she ties their feet and their hands together and she tells them to go catch fish for dinner. So we get this moment again. It's kind of a sweet moment, but then it just switches at the flick of. <laughs> I mean, it switches to something more definitely sinister real quick with Bobby because he's at the dock and she's helping him. It's real cute. It's real cute. She's helping him bait the the hook and Bobby, his dorky self's like, Oh my God, can I tell you something? I think you're really nice. She's like, Oh, well, thank you. And he says, do you think I'm nice? And she's like, yeah, I guess. He's like, can I tell you something else? I like being tied up to you. It turns me on. And then he literally tries to rape this girl (laughs) right there on the dock. yeah it's like well great bobby now you're a piece of crap too great oh it it kind of upset me because i i thought these two could have been oh this could be the guy that that changes angela no he's a he's a rapist he's a rapist yeah it could have really been something special and he he just had to go and do that and then he makes the comment Mm. i thought you wanted it your type always wants it it's like what type would that be i mean really I mean, like, <laughs> what well, underprivileged apparently because he doesn't he call her underprivileged when they oh. first meet yet underprivileged <laughs> yeah, girls must just want to be raped i i don't know what his insinuation God. there is. i mean in the world of sleepaway camp three i guess so i don't know i mean this is this film defies all logic and <laughs> yeah everything well they take the they take the fish back to camp and they caught they caught a pretty good bundle and um Riff, you know, Lily asks Riff to clean the fish. It's only fair, right? He refuses to to clean them. And even Angela goes into his tent to tell him it's only fair. We spent two hours trying to catch these. What does this motherfucker do? He pulls a gun on her. <laughs> 
I mean, this dude has a knife. He has a gun. It seems problematic. They weren't they weren't like checked before they came to this camp for weapons. Yeah. I, right? What is going on here? Like, if this is such a weird idea for a camp, like, I just don't. <laughs> Where is he keeping these? Like, I don't get it. God. Okay, so MIA for like the last twenty minutes has been Marsha, but now we do get a scene with her and Tony. Uh, playing the trust game and she's blindfolded and they're kind of being real flirtatious towards towards each other and then they sit down and they just have small talk about like her hometown she asks him if he's in a gang and of course he is because it has to be stereotypes 101 in this film <laughs> um he's in a gang and he says the only way i can get out is to move and she says well maybe you can move then and he's like uh i don't know maybe i should move to idaho or I- ohio wherever you're from <laughs> and they're they're cute together like they're really cute together i like these two together their yeah. chemistry is actually pretty palpable yeah they they make it work they do that you see the moment where she like puts her hand on his leg and starts to like move it towards his crotch i'm like you go girl you get what you want yeah really you're in the woods no one's gonna see no. you have well, some fun he tells her she's pretty and then asks if he can kiss her and of course she says yes and they start to make out pretty hot and heavily when this girl <laughs> Pulls out a condom. <laughs> and she says, if we're going to make love, you need to wear one of these. Wow. You know, like, I respect her for that. I do, but was she planning on getting laid during this trip? Just a week walking around with condoms? A girl's got to prepare. I mean, she, <laughs> she's got like a stash. I, again, yeah. I, but it it makes the ending of the film seem... Whew. Like weird, weird with her character. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it. But hey, at least she is using protection. There's, she's not going to get pregnant. She's not. But apparently, it's insinuated they fuck right there in the woods. Okay, perfect. Good times. Hey, I mean, it could be, could be hot, right? You're in the middle of the hot, sticky yeah. woods. I mean, when at Camp New Horizons, you're getting some, some definitely some New Horizons in you. That's right. Angela goes back to the camp and asks Lily to play the trust game with her <laughs> and that she will lead her back to camp so they can check on Cindy because she has said that Cindy is back at camp in, in one of the main cabins because she has a, a headache. She agrees. Lily agrees and says, yeah, I suppose I should go. During their walk through the woods, Maria is asking Lily about, oh, are you guys planning a trip? And Lily says, yeah, me and Herman are planning a trip to Europe. And you see that this is problematic to Angela because she's like, oh, well, I saw roaches in the in the kitchen. Anna, I might have saw a mouse. And why are you burying your trash out, out back? And Lily says, oh, it's because the trash service is so expensive. Any any penny we can save is, is worth it because, you know, taking this over was not the easiest. People don't want to come to a place where they find out everyone was slaughtered. I love her delivery of the word slaughtered. I just, I love that. Slaughtered. It's like, I just love it. Well, what ends up happening is as Angela leads her to the trash dump and literally like asks her, did you buy your tickets yet? And Lily says, no. And she's like, good. Cause you won't be needing them. And she pushes this poor old woman into these <laughs> trash bags. And this actress is pretty great. She's screaming, get me out of here. The rats are going to eat me alive. Angela ends up burying her. And up to her neck in, in dirt in these trash bags. So we have to keep in mind, she was you know, her hands were tied behind her back. She's an old woman. She's not going to be able to climb out of a pile of trash bags. Angela proceeds to then get a lawnmower 
and mow this poor woman down. Her head, like literally, puts chops this woman's head off with a lawnmower. I think I think that this for me is like the most when I think about okay all the ways in this movie. If I had to pick the one I don't want to die, it's this one. I feel like this is horrific as fuck. Yeah, this one's not good. This one's just. Oh yeah, this is this would be a bad way to go. It would be a horrible way to go. Seeing the blade, and I want to know, oh. like, what was the justification of using the most horrific death on probably the character in the film, besides like Anita and Greg, simply because they're not in the film very much. There really isn't like that much of a nasty person. I mean, yeah, she's like lazy and thrifty, but there are worse things one could be. I suppose. I mean, yeah. I would much rather have seen like, oh. uh Cindy or whoever get their head yeah. run over with a fucking uh, Herman deserved it more than this woman did. Yeah. But can you imagine if he was there? Ah! <laughs> but it's a horrific death. I mean, and I think it is cut off because I remember seeing more blood and like stuff shoot onto the, the trash bags. And oh yeah. Yeah. Wasn't there another movie? Was, was it the, the uh, scream scream Queens? show that yes. kind of did the same thing with the lawn mower and the being like buried in the yard yeah you're you're 100 right first season of one? scream queens yeah. yeah it was scream queens it was the first that. season yeah 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 i mean horrific death horrific death poor poor lily did not deserve this fate no i mean no but yeah oh lily gone too soon well angela's taking him out now yeah she's she's taking him out fast now because she is waiting for Bobby at night and he shows up, you know, and she immediately ties him to a tree and he thinks they're going to have sex. But instead what she's doing, she's tying his hands. She ties his hands behind this tree and then she ties the end of the rope to her Jeep. And, and literally like, he's like, Oh, are we going to screw now? And she's like, well, no, not really. She gets in the Jeep and like floors it. And Kind of a lame. We don't see anything. I guess we just have to insinuate that she ripped his arms off. I think this was also used in Sleepaway Camp 4, Return to Sleepaway Camp. Oh, now that I don't remember. I think I did block out most of that movie, so I I can't remember. <laughs> it was a very similar death, but I, I wish that we would have seen at least like they could have afforded some fake arms that we could have saw a shot of the arms like dragged on the ground behind the I Jeep. I think there was something. I, I swear that was another one that was really cut to hell. Because I remember seeing the arms getting ripped off. I'm gonna have to pull out my uh, my my Red Cross DVD and see if the uncut deaths are on there. Because I I want to know. Because I, I think they were. Yeah, they have to. If they're if they're in existence, they have to be, and they should release a version of it with the deaths back in. That would be cool. I think the problem was it was like from like a I think it was from a work print like on tape. So they were kind of like you know it was not the best quality, but it's, it's does the job. It does the job. And I feel like people fans would watch it. I know they did the same thing with like the original, my bloody Valentine. You can watch when they, when they found all the uncut footage and, and, you know, put it back in the film, you have a choice back on when that first DVD, when that DVD first came out that you could watch the film with the gore back intact, but, but it was the work print. So you could definitely tell it was lower quality, but it was still cool to see it in the context of the film. Absolutely. Uh, And now she goes to riff. I would have rather seen riffs had be chopped off with a little more, to be honest with you. I feel like he gets a cop out death too. Um, Although she, yeah, he's like super. Although she wrote a rap specifically for him. And you got to admire that. I mean, to take the time, it's not the best rap, but I mean, she's, you know, she she tried. She tried. It's <laughs> angels are pretty. Angels can fly. And this angel can make you die. 
Like, oh, Angela. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> stick to stick to I'm a happy camper. I mean, if she had a TikTok, she'd be a big old star right about now with her little raps and happy camper songs. I, I would be a, I would be a subscriber to her TikTok. I think I would. Absolutely. Too. <laughs> um, but yeah, she she throws the tape in and he listens to it. And he's like, what the fuck is this? And as he's crawling out, like she knocks the tent onto him. And like there's a moment where he reaches his hand out and she nails like a giant railroad spike through his hand. Yeah, something like that. And then is that it? Like, does she do something else? I can't remember. She hits him a couple times with it. And then she takes another one of the giant railroad nails and like wax him. And I, I, you can't you don't know where she's nailing it into. She, I'm assuming his head or his neck because you hear him scream and then it's a, he abruptly stops screaming and she hammers it in. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. But I don't know where, where it was. I'm, yeah, I don't it's a little know. confusing. Now she ventures to Barney's camp to tell Barney that Herman wants her to switch with Marsha because she saw Marsha kissing Tony and we know how Angela feels about fornication. Mm-hmm. But Barney is smart. Barney is smart. I will say that because he does not allow Angela to take Marsha back by herself. He goes with. Mm-hmm. And there is this moment where Mar- uh, Angela trips and sprains her ankle. And, and they get her to the, the the mess hall, the cabin, the big cabin. And they're bandaging it. And, you know, I would have liked to see more moments like this because you can tell, like, they're being genuinely nice to her. And you get this, like, real short short flicker of Marsha and Angela, like sort of developing a bond like Angela had with Molly in part two, but it's so fucking quick. It's like 20 seconds. Yeah. It's blink and it's gone. (laughs) And Angela's like, do you even know Herman and Lily very well? And Barney's like, no. And and, uh, Angela proceeds to tell him that they're terrible counselors. Uh, that that Herman fornicates with the campers and all Lily does is sit around all day and, and be lazy and does nothing. So Barney has to ask her, Hey, did you, did Herman really tell you to come and ask if you could be in our camp or, or did you make that up? And she's like, I made that up because I want to be with you. And of course, Barney being the stickler for rules says, absolutely not. We will bandage this up. We'll go back to the camp. Tomorrow's the last day. So we'll all be together anyways. <laughs> Marsha makes the mistake of asking, does Lily really just sit around all day? And Angela's like, yeah, in fact, she's back there right now. You, you can go look it out. You can go check it out. But I, it's not a pretty sight. Oh, no. And, and she goes out back to the trash pile. And <laughs> of course, Angela. So Angela took the time to dig Lily's body back out of the <laughs> trash pit and set it in a lawn chair. <laughs> I, I guess that's hey functional killers in these movies love to prop up their corpses and dis- display them in many interesting ways <laughs> it's just sitting in a lawn chair with maggots crawling out of its neck stump it's lovely <laughs> yeah well she screams and of course barney hears this and has to run out back and this is the moment where we get of angela like telling Marsha not to be scared and not to leave her because she reminds her of a girl she used to know named Molly. She was a nice girl too, she says. And we hear Barney then scream at Marsha to get the hell out of there. Run back, run on, run onto the road and get the hell out of here. So Marsha pulls away from Angela and takes off running. Barney comes in and Angela has something behind her back. And this is supposed to be like their big confrontation. This is the girl that killed his fucking son, who was a prominent part of the second film. 
I, Chris, wanted to see a fucking battle. I wanted to see like a Mrs. Loomis, Sidney Prescott type battle here. Yes, that would have been amazing. We do not get it. And are you trying to tell me? Well, he comes in and she obviously has something behind her back. And the first thing she says to him is, "Ooh, you look just like your son when you get angry. Mm. And you try to tell me that this police officer who has so far been portrayed as like being very competent, he's able to do his job very well. He was able to um, subdue Riff earlier in the movie and get the knife away from him. Are you trying to tell me he does not know that this bitch has something behind her back? Yeah, it's like he's not going to do anything. He's just going to stand there and just make con conversation. He literally stands there and like as she's coming towards him and she's like, he's like, how many people have you killed this time? And she's like, I don't know, a lot. You're going to kill me now? And she shakes her head. How are you going to do it? Battery acid? A chainsaw? Are you going to cut my head off like you did my son? And he's just standing there. She reproaches him. And she's like, no, a gun. And she pulls the gun behind her, uh, out from behind her back and shoots him. And that's it. That is it. There's that's no there is. fight. There's nothing. There's no struggle. Uh, what were they thinking? Yeah. It's like, I really feel like in a different world, they could have made his character like more of the lead, like trying to. I don't know, do something for his dead son. And it's, but it doesn't work out. It's, it's lame. It, I was super disappointed watching this and realizing that you're not getting this like showdown between Angela and, and Barney, who again, a prominent connection to part two. Like you want at least let him fight and at least let him, the audience think he's going to get the best of her at some point, And then she could shoot him. But like to just let him stand there and yeah. be shot to death by this woman who he knows at this point is a fucking homicidal maniac who has murdered multiple people. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it's just, it's lazy. It's lazy. And it's not like this film, like I said, it's an hour and 20 minute film. It's not like they didn't have the time to add a couple minutes of more interaction between these two. But Barty's dead. Angela runs out and gets in her Jeep and she's easily able to catch up to uh, Marsha and easily able to get her and in back into the Jeep. And she's like, we're going to have lots of fun together. So now you got basically Tony, Greg and Anita are left. So they're at the camp. They're wondering where, where everyone is. They're like, we should go look for him. Just a moment. Angela shows up and she tells them that Barney wants to see them back at the main camp for a trust game. And when they get back to the main camp, Angela starts tying them up and they're questioning like, why do you get to tie us up? And she's like, I don't know. Cause Barney said, and Anita, 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 the, the, probably the least developed character besides Greg. She's like, this is bullshit. Where's Barney at? And Angela's like, Oh, he's coming. Oh, there he is right over there. And they all look and she's like, Oh no, that's not Barney. Oh, here he is. And this is the moment where she like cuts the string and, <laughs> Barney's dead body falls from a tree right in front of them. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. And you can tell they're like, oh, fuck, we are fucked. We, we just let this maniac tie us together. And she tells them they're going to play a game. And the game is to stay alive. They have two minutes to find Marsha. She's in one of the three cabins behind them. And if, if they try to. If they don't make it in two minutes, she's going to kill him. If they try to run away from her, she's going to kill him. If they try to hurt her, she's going to kill him. So she starts the countdown and they're literally just like standing there. She's like, what are you waiting for? And she cuts poor Greg's cheek to get him to go. <laughs> and, and they run and you do get, I do like this. You get them all tied together. They're running from cabin to cabin. They're seeing all of the carnage of all the dead bodies because of course, Angela somehow being like a five foot two woman weighing probably 120 pounds soaking wet has been able to drag all these bodies into these different cabins and display them. 
I admire her gumption. I really do. God. Yeah, yeah, because she definitely she definitely did it. They're all in these cabins. Um and they finally get to cabin three and they see Marsha is in one of the, uh, they see Marsha in one of the rooms in the cabin. So they all run into this room and immediately like two axes fall from the ceiling, hitting Anita and Greg Aww, and killing them. Poor Anita and Greg. I know. Poor, I mean, such underdeveloped characters and it's kind of a bummer that you feel like these two characters were only used in the film so that they could provide a, a body count, a higher yeah. body count. It's true, though. You know, they just they don't have much to do except die in the th- last act. You know, it's like, you know, and it's, and it's kind of a lame death too, right? Take two of them out at once with an axe from from the ceiling. That's no I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, Angela congratulates them. No. She comes up, congratulates Tony and Marsha for making it. And she tells them, you know, you two are make a great couple. There's a payphone about three miles down the road. I'll see you later. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if this Angela b- being as unhinged as she's been throughout this film would just let these two go. No, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but she, she does. She walks out and as she's walking out to her Jeep. Fucking Marsha comes bum. She just comes dashing out of the, um, the cabin with an ax and you get a, a hint of a little battle between these two broads. I wish it would have been longer. Um, I wish there would have been a little bit more of a chase involved because it ends pretty quickly. Angela is able to pull out her knife and stab Marsha in the leg. Marsha then hits Angela like in the thigh with the ax and they're rolling around. And real quickly, Marsha just gets the knife from the ground because Angela dropped it when she was hit with the ax and climbs on Angela and stabs the shit out of her. And stabs her like four or five times in the gut before Tony runs out and, and grabs her and pulls her away. I don't know. I'm just going to say this. Uh, Not a satisfying demise for Angela Baker. Although we don't really find out that she's dead, obviously. Sleepaway Camp at this point has been pretty uh, an established franchise. You got part one, part two came out, and then this one. I feel like letting Marsha, like a character like Marsha, be the one that gets the best of Angela was a huge disappointment, considering she has nothing to do in this film. Yeah, I feel like... Maybe they should have switched the death order to have Barney be the last one. That feels like that would make more sense. Barney kind of earned it. Uh, Marsha does not earn it. And like, what was her motivation for coming out and and confronting Angela anyways in those final moments? I mean, they were, they were, they were free. She let him go. Like as far as she knew they were going to be fine. So why run out and chase her? I just, you know, and when you think about Sleepaway Camp, I just feel like it's it's a big blah that the character of Marsha of all characters in the franchise is the one that got the best of of Angela. Mm, Marsha, 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 Marsha. It's all about Marsha. Um, so Tony pulls her away, and they go and call the police. How do they call the police though? Did they walk three miles to call the police? I guess so. Because <laughs> wasn't that the, the closest phone? Something like that. I guess they did. Okay. Well, hey, I mean, so yeah, because the police show up and we get this back of the police car scene where Tony has, has fallen in love with Marsh. He says, I love you so much, baby. And guess what? I will move to Ohio. We can live together forever and we can get married. And she's like, uh, stop Tony. 
He's like, what? And she says, um, yeah, I already have a boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) What a little slut. (laughs) She led this poor guy on the entire film. It's like, I guess I get what they were going for. Like a kind of a little comic ending there, but it's like, just no. It it doesn't work, and it, it really makes you. I, well, first of all, it makes me like the the Tony character way more. I like want to reach the the TV and give him a big hug because he is established. Poor dude. He's established himself as as being a pretty good, decent guy despite his his background. It just makes you want to punch this girl for being such a, a a bitch. I mean, to leave this guy on the entire weekend like this is just to tell him, oh, I have a boyfriend, and she does tell him, well, you can come visit me. Why the fuck would he want to come visit you and your boyfriend? Like, why would he want to come see you, Marsha? <laughs> you lied this entire time. God. Oh, she's terrible. Oh. She's terrible. So who knows what happened oh, to those Marcia. two? I don't know. Okay. I like to think the police car crashed and they all Let's died. Let's hope because the they're horrible people. <laughs> Except Tony. Tony could have crawled out and lived. Maybe him. He crawled him out. Him and uh, Herman are living together in the woods. And Herman, <laughs> yeah. Herman can't really. He's blind now. So he just calls Tony. Come here, sweet pea. <laughs> Come on, sweet pea. <laughs> that's the sequel I want to see right there. I, I I would watch. Do you think that's what the original Sleepaway Camp 4 was supposed to be about? Because no one a- a- ever knows what that was supposed to be because it makes no it sense. It better have been. Well, like... it, it would have been far more entertaining than what we ended up getting. <laughs> Ugh. But... We get our final scene of Angela being driven away in the ambulance. So she's trying. So she got stabbed like six times in the gut and was laying on the ground for what? Okay. So to walk three miles probably takes a good hour. Um, yeah. So we're supposed to believe she's still alive. Okay, great. Uh, it's so we can get this little punch of a final scene where there's a um, uh, an ambulance person, a nurse, and then a cop. And the nurse is like, oh, uh, she's still alive, and the cops like, just we should just kill her. She's a maniac. She's a fucking maniac. Nobody will ever. <laughs> I, I mean, I get that sentiment. I do. I do. But I, really, <laughs> they're so gung ho about and it. Too. The nurse like seems to go along with. It. He's like, okay, well, where are we at? Like, well, I guess so. Yeah, I guess it's an okay idea. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, Angela is not dead, and she heard this entire conversation, so she takes a syringe and stabs the nurse with it in the chest and then pulls it out and shoves it into the police officer's eye, and <laughs> killing them both, and the driver's like, hey, what's going on back there? And Angela's final word is, just taking care of business. And what a lost opportunity to not have the end credits be taking care of business. Truly. Uh, well, they probably, you know, they, they damn well they couldn't that, afford no. that. Instead, they get some heavy metal. You know, they they love that in these in these movies. Well, this is like punk heavy metal because it's teenage wasteland, motherfuckers, <laughs> right? Yeah. Angela. But that Sleepaway Camp three, it's entertaining. It is entertaining. Um, it is. I feel like it's better than four, but like I I don't I don't consider four part of the Sleepaway Camp franchise. Honestly, it's it's terrible. It's un. To me, it's unwatchable. So like these three, to me, the first three films are Sleepaway Camp. And I, I feel like it's fine. It's it's the worst of the franchise, but it's still fine. Like it's not a terrible movie. Uh, I feel like it just did not, as we've mentioned numerous times, it just never captures the the charm um, and the charisma and just the electricity of the first or the second film. It tries, but it just never 
succeeds. Yeah, it's one of those movies that like I I think it's fine. You know, it's 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 a movie that I've seen a few times in my life, so I must like it all right, I would assume. But it's uh it's it's not one that I've seen too many times. There's just not enough there to really keep me coming back for more. But it's yeah, it's it's entertaining. It does its job. There are certainly far worse sequels out there, so you can do worse. Yeah, and there's far there are far worse '80s slasher films out there as oh, well. God, I mean, this yeah. came out, yeah, this came out in what '89, so it was like right so. at the end of the '80s, and by that time, the slasher genre was pretty much dead. Oh yeah. Uh, so so getting this out there and 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 having it be entertaining and whatnot, I feel like that was all they could ask for. And like I said, it's fine. There's a lot of head scratching decisions with characters and things like that, but at the end of the day, it's it's entertaining. It's fine. I feel like I would. St- I'd still watch this at some point in the future. It's it's a fun little trilogy. Two and three are so totally different than the first one, um, but it still makes for um, an entertaining watch. So, guys, let us know your thoughts on Sleepaway Camp three, and and where would you place it in the franchise? And if you're a fan of Sleepaway Camp four, fuck off because it's terrible. Uh, no, I'm joking. I mean, I just feel bad for them. Truly. I mean, I don't know. Well, you know, okay. I'm going to, okay. So quick little side thing is, okay. So, and then we can end the episode and it'll be one of our quickest episodes ever. Yay guys. <laughs> but, um, okay. So this is a quick little side note on Instagram. Um, I, this was like a year and a half, maybe two years ago. You know, those like horror challenges you can do on Instagram where oh, like yeah, yeah. every day you like choose a different thing. Okay. Right. So like two years ago, uh, one of the days was like worst horror, uh, sequel mm-hmm. and I chose sleepaway camp four mm-hmm. and I posted it. And of course, many people chimed in and agreed. It was all fine. I forgot. I even posted it literally like about six weeks ago. I got all of these notifications and they were on that post and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? And so I look at it and I, it's like this guy who was like bad mouthing me and bad mouthing everybody who said anything negative about the film. And then God. I clicked on his profile and kind of went down a rabbit hole and found out he, he does this with anybody that posts anything bad about sleepaway camp Four. he tries to say like, it's like you're misunderstanding the main character, blah, blah, blah. You know, you he's, you should feel sympathy. Like he's serious. He's like calling, calling people name. You know who I think it is, Chris. I think it's oh. the actor who played that character. Really? I swear to God. I swear to God. Oh Guys, go to my God. Instagram, Troy ESC, T-R-O-Y-E-S-C. Find that post. You're going to scroll. You'll have to scroll for a while. Click on it and just go down the rabbit hole because he literally does it to anybody who posts anything bad about Sleepaway Camp 4. And I'm guarantee Jesus. you, I'm re- I really think it's the actor who played Alan in Sleepaway Camp 4. Oh, that's 4. horrifying. It's, it is weird. I'm like, dude, you were, you're in a shitty movie like 10 years ago. Let it go. Like really you're gonna harass yeah, people? just em- embrace it you know i mean i think most actors have done their fair share of movies that aren't really well received you just move on you know it's, it's like, like the only movie he's ever done too and he's like calling people names like oh you look like you have down syndrome and co- making horrible co- oh my yeah God. <laughs> making Jesus. horrible comments to people <laughs> that have said terrible that said they don't like the movie i'm like okay this is weird oh, wow. this is weird so if you're listening you are oh my god please get a life <laughs> sleep with that is so sh- frightening it, what in the hell that could be a horror movie all of itself right right 
I kind of like that. Yeah. Just like an actor that did like one really bad sequel to a classic horror film. It was <laughs> it's going on poorly huge. received. And <laughs> then gone. like he just loses his mind. And it's like, no, and it's almost, misunderstood. And, and you know what's even kind of more disturbing, Chris, is if it's not him, that's even sort of more disturbing because there's somebody that <laughs> that is that defensive of Sleepaway <laughs> Camp 4. I don't want to meet this person. I don't want to meet this person. Yeah, at least if it's the actor, there's some emotional stakes there. Like, you know, maybe he had a great time on the set. It was a thrilling creative experience for him. And he feels bad that nobody understood it. But if it's just like Joe Schmo, that was like, I don't, how can someone even defend that movie? It's really difficult. It's really, I've never met anyone that's like, you know, what is underappreciated return to sleepaway camp. Never. Everyone's basically on the same page. It's like, what happened there? What went wrong? You know, and it it, it begs the question or it it leaves me wanting like a, it begs the question, yeah, what went wrong? But it also then leaves me wanting a proper reboot or a proper sequel to to these films. And, And, you know, I know it was like rumored for a long time that they were remaking it and there was all these different people attached to it, but I haven't heard anything about that for years. Hopefully it happens because it's a, it's a franchise that I would definitely embrace a, a new film. Um, because the, the farther we can get away from sleepaway camp for the better for sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember hearing about the remake. I think that was at like new line or something for a while, maybe. And then like, it just, the, the talks just stopped completely. I, and I'm, I'm wondering if it's just, it might be one of those movies where they, I mean, you, you couldn't really remake it the way that it was now. There's just no, no way. So I wonder if they're trying to find some angle to sort of make it less problematic or something. And that just, it's a very difficult thing to do, you know, without just coming across like another summer camp slasher, you know, because really what made that film so interesting and unique was, you know, all the character stuff and all the melodrama and stuff, you know, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know how you could remake it um in a satisfying way these days that's a that's a really great point especially with the climate that we're in currently you're going to have you're going to have a lot of people that are going to definitely not be on board with a a a strict remake like taking the the same exact plot of part one of the first one and, and moving it into uh this this 20 you know 2023 there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna have a problem with that and you know we can debate whether they should or shouldn't but um you know i i don't know yeah so that's a good point maybe they are trying to figure out a route they can take that's going to be unique enough but also um not as like you said problematic as many people think that the first film is so that's a good point but i i I do want to see it i mean felissa rose is still you know she's still gung-ho about the franchise i'm sure she'd be willing to to come back and i know that she really regrets the fact that she um was not part of two or three yeah i think she mentioned that i th- i think she read for it i think but then she, she did was in college at the time and she just couldn't swing it and well it was that and also i think she said that the the directors or the director told her that she just wasn't um she didn't wasn't meshing well with like the comedy elements of the script. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, they went a different route and they got Pamela Springsteen. And again, 
it would have been interesting to see Felissa Rose in the role. So I really hope that they can, they can do something with a reboot or a remake and bring her back in some capacity. But with that said, guys, yeah, let us know your thoughts on Sleepaway Camp 3. And Chris, thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining me for this episode. It was a blast. Absolutely. If Anytime. you want, yeah, if you want to plug anything, let us, let our listeners know like what you have coming up where they can find more information about you and your films and, and just anything in general. Oh, well, uh, uh, Children of Sin is on Tubi. So if you've got Tubi, you can watch it for free. And uh, I hope everyone enjoys it. It's it's kind of got a kind of a summer camp vibe, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> for sure. Not not a fun summer camp, but. <laughs> no, like a horrible camp. The camp you would not want to go to ever. No, especially your your poor sin stick will suffer at this camp. Yeah, it'll get very raw and very <laughs> bruised. Yeah, you, you don't want uh, <laughs> to keep did. that in the in in the pants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you guys, listen, check out his podcast, Homos on Haunted Hill. Um, and yeah, because you you guys have done some great films, you've covered some great films, you have some great episodes. So check that out. And I guess with that, you know, this was this was my first episode without Roger. Uh, and w- think we did it well so you did you pulled it off off. i got three more to go with three different guests oh well i believe in you you can you can make it work well if they were anything like you it's going to be a huge pleasure so no well well, thank you this was a lot of fun all right guys with that thank you and tune in next week to find out who our mystery co-host will be (laughs) good night